Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. These are the journeys of the children of Israel. The word journeys in the Hebrew is a word that means the movings on or the the process of transition from one place to the next with a specific goal in mind. And this is interesting that Moses is writing this because this is towards the end of his life. He's not writing this for the old people who are dying in the wilderness. He's writing it for their children, the young people who are being raised up because the old people are going to die in the wilderness. They're not going into the promised land. But the young people, God said, they will. And so Moses is is writing for them that they will know certain things. And here's what it says. It says, these are the journeys of the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Look at verse 2. It says, and Moses wrote their what? Out loud. He wrote their what? Notice he wrote their goings out. He didn't write their goings in. And if if that was spoken only one time, then we can't make a doctrine out of it. But as I study this and go through scripture, I notice how God always emphasizes the goings out and not the goings in. So I've come into some money. That doesn't move God. What moves God is what you came out of to get into the money. I'm going into a relationship. That doesn't move God either. What did you come out of? How did it affect you? So the Bible says now, now this is interesting. It says, and Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their what? Now, there's a part of it I want to, when when this is translated into modern English, they use the word process instead of the word, or progress or whatever, instead of the word goings out. We're coming back to King James, but I want to show you something. Flip the New Living Translation, because this is the part I want you to get. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march, identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. Now, flip back to King James. Let me help you out. So what, this, what the Bible says is that Moses didn't just start writing like this. Here's what God said to Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to document, oh, this was from years ago, document your coming out of Egypt. And every other time I stop you, because here's the thing, God orders our steps, but he names our stops. God orders our steps, but he names our stops. Because the stop, watch this now, progress is made in the steps, but character development happens in the stops. So God will, God will literally box you into a, play, a stopping place, will not let you get out. Why? He's working on something in you, not for you. Y'all listen to me. God is speaking to you. And you're going to get some answers today. This is almost prophetic. You're going to hear the Lord today. Let me show you this, what's crazy about this. The the Bible says that Moses begins to write, and if you look at the scripture, look at verse 3, it says, and they departed from Ramses in the first month. The word, the city Ramses, 
um, there's so much history there. I'm, I, I may get to that in the second or third installment. But you're going to see Ramses, where they lived, was a city in Goshen that they built. They had history there. They had connection there. The Bible actually says in Genesis, I think, of 37 to 47, it was the best land in Egypt. Isn't it amazing? It was the best land in Egypt, but that's exactly the place where Pharaoh enslaved them. When the enemy seeks to enslave you, he doesn't put you in some foreign place. He puts you in a place. That, listen, your place of conflict used to be your place of comfort. And he's banking on the fact that you, that you keep reminding yourself, well, you know, well, I used to be comfortable here so that you endure some stuff you don't have to endure. Mm, this is so much. I, I got to pace myself. They departed from Ramses in the first month of the 15th day of the first month. On the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. Verse 4 says, For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them. Upon their gods also the Lord executed judgments. Hold right there. I want to show you something. The Bible says, get the picture. The, the children of Israel are leaving. This is the morning after the Passover. That night before, the death angel comes through. The death angel kills every firstborn. If it was born first, it died. Whether of man, cattle, beast, everything phenomenal. God did not care. The death angel came through, and by the word of the Lord, all he did was pass through. He didn't say anything. He didn't touch anybody. He just passed through, and the word of the Lord killed every firstborn. So when Israel is about to leave the next morning, they go to the houses of their neighbors by the directive of the Lord, and they gather all the silver, gold, precious jewels, furs, whatever, and they, they, they ask their neighbor for them, and their neighbor's hearts are so heartbroken that they give them all the stuff. And as they're walking out two million strong, they could hear the weeping and the wailing of Egypt burying its dead. And God says to Moses, document the goings out. Don't document where you're going. Document where you're coming from. Watch this in verse 5. And the children of Israel were moved from Ramses and pitched in Succoth. And they departed from Succoth and pitched in Etham, which is in the edge of the wilderness, verse 6. And they were moved from Etham and turned unto, uh, again unto uh, Pihiroth, which is before Baal Zephon. And they, and they pitched before Migdal. Look at verse 8. And they departed before uh, Piharoth and passed through the midst of the sea into the wilderness and went three days journey into the wilderness of Etham and Pishon Marah. And if you keep reading the story all the way down to verse 49, he lists 50 places, five zero places where God says, stop here. Now, what's interesting is this. When you read the Bible and God takes the time to call names, it's significant. If God gives you a number, it's significant. Let me give you a good example. The Bible says in Mark 5 that as Jesus was going, the Bible says a man named Jairus came to Jesus and said, my daughter is dying. The Bible says from that time as he was progressing, a certain woman having an issue of blood touched him. Here's my question. What's her name? We don't know. He was going to heal Jairus' daughter. What's her name? We don't know. He was in the temple one, um, on, on the synagogue one Sabbath, and there was a man with a withered hand. A certain man had, what's his name? And there was a certain woman who had been bowed over for 38 years. What's her name? There was a rich man and Lazarus. Who's a rich man? We don't know. It didn't make a difference. The only name that made a difference in that story was Lazarus. The Holy Spirit will identify people only when their names are critical to the story and to our learning. 
He only calls numbers. Why did he tell us? Isn't it amazing in Mark 5 that the woman with the issue of blood was suffering for 12 years and the daughter that was dying was 12 years old? What is he telling us? If you know what 12 in the Bible means, 12 in the Bible is the number of governments. Governmental authority, governmental order. That means what he's, he's saying prophetically is that there's, 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 one, there's one woman, an older woman, who's, who's hemorrhaging. She's, she's leaking life. On the other side, the young woman, because of that condition, because the woman held up Jesus, she's going to die. The old government is holding on to the Lord. The, the new government is going to die because he doesn't get there in time. He's telling us a prophetic story. Whenever he speaks names or numbers, he's telling us something. So every, I named just five, maybe seven so far of the stopping places. And God says every stopping place means something. Do not miss the second and third installment of this lesson. There's so much I want to say to you. This is just the introduction. The problem in your life right now is that you are coming out of a situation. And what we tend to do is we tend to try to reproduce it, it, what was in this situation, we try to make it happen over here. And so the story of Saul goes, the, the, uh, King Saul, God calls the prophet Samuel. It's a long story. I want to give you the short version. And God says to Samuel, he said, um, give Saul this assignment. Saul goes on the assignment. He blows it. It happens twice. And finally, God says, you know what? This man is going to do what he wants to do. So I reject him. Here's the crazy story. I reject him. The Bible said about Saul, the son of, of Kish, or, or that he was, he was head and shoulders above every man. He was a good-looking man. But Samuel loved him. God rejected him. Samuel loved him, but God rejected him. Samuel loved him, but God rejected him. Say it with me. Samuel loved him, but God... Now, this is important because now God says to Samuel, while he's grieving for Saul, he says to him, he said, I rejected him. He said, well, how long will you mourn for him? How long are you going to mourn for him? And God says... He said, arise and fill your horn. I'm going to send you to Bethlehem to anoint a new king for me. I'm sending you to the house of Jesse. Watch this. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 3 that Samuel had never missed God. He's a prophet, the Bible says, whose words always came to pass. His words never fell to the ground. And here he is in this situation. Here's the problem. He, he's mourning over the loss of Saul. He's, his goings out is the Lord says, get up. Fill your horn and go out to Bethlehem. He goes to Bethlehem. He, he sends word to Jesse. I'm coming. I want to see all your sons. Jesse lines his sons up. And when he sees Eliab, yes, yes, who is head and shoulders above everyone, just like Saul, who's good looking in the face, just like Saul, here's what the prophet who never missed God said. Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. What happened? I want to say something to you. That's, I share this with my leaders. I want to help you out. Be careful in the way you minimize your lust when you're looking for something new. See, you always think when you hear the word lust, you think sex, but it's not always about sex. It's about desire. And what happens to us in our goings out, we don't understand how we, our goings out, we will step out of a situation and instead of saying to the Lord, God, what's next for me? Here's what we do. We start looking like for something that looked just like what we left. We try to reproduce because here's the thing, because we don't trust God. We want to be safe in our own strength, and our own knowledge. And so we use our judgment and we always, watch this now, our goings in are always jacked up because of our goings out. So let me help you out. Is this helping you any? I'm going to do this quick and in a hurry. We're going to get out of here. So here's, I want to just give you some information. Transition is a part of growth. It's a part of adulting. If you're going to be an adult, you're going to transition. 
as long as we're alive, we will be searching, growing, moving, arriving, and leaving. And if you look at the text, I'm going to show you a bunch of texts in this series, and it's going to blow your mind that when God talks about progress and transition, he never talks about coming in. He lays the weight and the emphasis of transition on your goings out. Why? Because he understands something. Uh, do, do you know that you started your life going out? And you're going to end your life going out? Wait a minute. He said, Pastor, well, I, I came into the world. From your perspective, from your mama's perspective, it was a going out. And she was glad. That's where that scripture came from. This is the day the Lord had made. We rejo- no, no, listen. In the first trimester, it was rejoicing. We're with child. The second trimester, this is uncomfortable. Third trimester, get this thing out of me. And, and the goings out was so strong that when they put her legs in the stirrup to get you out of her, when you came out, you left marks on her. If you think the goings out that God is referring to are some little bitty things, you don't understand how marked you are from coming out of situations. Anything that you produce marked you going out. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. We got something to say. Listen. Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. So sometimes we transition as a part of a group, part of a family, part of a team. But other times, we have to transition alone. The one thing that believers can count on is this, if we trust God. He will go with you. He will guide you to your next stopping place. God orders your steps, but he predetermines and he names your stops. I'm going to show you where you've been messing your life up. So you have an appointment for this new job on the 20th floor. The problem is you're not accustomed to doing anything by yourself. All your goings out, you don't, you'll never go out unless somebody's going with you. But there are times when God will send you alone. 
And so you get to the, the building where your appointment is, and you meet this, all these other people. And when you get, you, let's say a but, a 10 of y'all get in the elevator, and, and people pushing buttons. You push 20 because you know where you're going. Somebody push 10, somebody push 7, somebody push 3. And you're watching all these people. And, and as the elevator comes and stops, they get off. And they get off. And then by the time it gets to the 10th floor, it's just you and this other person. You're thinking to yourself, I don't like elevators. And I'm not even sure I've never been in this building before. So you, the closer you get to that 10th floor where they're getting off, the more nervous you become. So here's what you do. When the elevator stops on the 10th floor, you get out with them because you don't want to be in the elevator by yourself. As you, have you ever been stuck in the elevator, anybody? I've been stuck in elevators four times. You know what they have in common? They always end the same with me speaking in loud African tongues. <laughs> I was on the phone with my wife. I was in New York uh, maybe a couple years ago I was with my daughter getting her settled. Megan had went downstairs, and I said, I'll be down in a minute, baby. And I got on the elevator. I was surprised my phone was working. I'm talking to my wife, and we're on the phone, and the elevator went. <laughs> and I said to her, I'll call you back. She said I hung up on her, but really, I, I, I remember, so I'll call you back. I hung up the phone. I started pushing buttons. Thing won't move. I bust out in tongues. Listen, like a, like a loud tongue. That thing started going down. When I come out, I'm calm. My daughter said, she said, Daddy, did, did the elevator stop? I said, it did. She said, you okay? I said, I'm okay. Check this out. I said, I'm okay. I, I went out of the elevator. We went, we did our shopping, but when we came back to the elevator, she pushed to go upstairs. I said, I'll take the stairs. <laughs> Watch this now. When I got out of the elevator, I was so relieved to be going out that when I was asked, are you okay? My answer was yes. And I was good as long as I was out there shopping, but when I came back in to go in, I said, I, I walk out. Because you're going, that what happened to me on the way out affected me on the way. This is important. If you get off the elevator on the 10th floor when your appointment was on the 20th floor, it's a simple thing. This is not deep. You know what just happened? You missed your appointment. You missed your appointment. And you can give good reasons for it. I didn't just want to be in the elevator by myself. But you think because people leaving, you're supposed to leave? You don't understand the going of God. All my friends are doing it. You keep all my friends are doing it. You're not them. Come on here. There's nobody in your crew that has your testimony. Nobody. Running with the wrong people. How many of you in this building have I ever stood up here and gave a word of the Lord to? I mean, you didn't even, I didn't even know it was you. I just called out, I, I just called something out. Put your hand up if it was you. In the middle, put your hand down. Let me show you something. That is a mark that God showed you. No one should have to tell you about me hearing from God. You know why? Because you heard, you heard from God through me. You'll be a fool. To follow for God to do talking about he don't listen. No, they don't have your testimony. God didn't meet their need the way he met your need. Now I'm calling some junk out today because the devil don't got you by the throat. Call you out, met your need. You got it? God says you remember not the comings in, but how I brought you out, the goings out. That's important. Now, I'm, I'm going to help you out. You see, we're playing games. Uh, uh, I can't touch that today, but I'm going to keep going forward. So here's what you need to understand about transition and change. Change is a part of transition. But by the time the transition gets finished, it won't look the same. Things won't be the same. 
But there two, there's a difference between change and transition that you need to know. Here it is. Change is positional. What that means is it deals with stuff around you, not within you. Change is positional, but transition is emotional. You cannot transition without emotion. And that's where it becomes dangerous. It becomes dangerous because anything that's emotional can become a mess if you don't handle it properly. The feeling that everything is changing can make people very uncomfortable and also trigger worry and concern and anxiety and chaos, which is confusion. You look around and folk, you I mean, you look around and you, your job and see like everybody quitting. You think to yourself, I need to quit too? What's going on? If, if this very, what once change gets on the inside of you, it's no longer change, it's transition. It's doing something to you. And you have to know how to handle that. And because of this, the Bible is filled with many stories and many teaching points geared towards helping us understand transition a little better. So I want to I want to make this point, and this is going to be one of the. Uh, I think I got a couple of minutes. What I want to do is I want to address this simple issue of transition that you don't understand. See, you think that transition is always about leaving a place. No. A lot of times, transition is about staying. See, here's what happens. Transition never happens on an island. What I mean by that is, if you are part of a group or connection, how many of you have friends here? Have friends here? Okay. If your friend transitions, and let's, let's, let's use the ultimate transition. Now, let's, let's not talk about a decision to leave. Let's talk about death. The ultimate transition. If your friend transition, or your sibling, do you think it will affect you? Yes. yes. You think you'll be emotional about it? Has anybody in your family ever died and you felt like you couldn't go on? If anybody in your family ever died and it changed the complete landscape of your life, have anyone ever not died but left your life and you had to take a minute to figure out what you were going to do? Yes. Did someone that used to provide or help be a blessing to you suddenly get mad with you or leave your life and all of a sudden when they left you realize that when they left they took like a lot of resource with them? Let me tell you this. Transition never happens alone. And what some of the greatest transition you would ever experience is when people leave you and you go, oh my God, What? am I going to do? She never expected it. She thought they were happy. But she was missing the signs. So when the papers came in the mail and she opened them, she says, then what's this? And he looks at her with stern face and says, I can't do this anymore. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I can't. And he starts saying stuff like, I never loved you. I've counseled this scenario more than a thousand times in my 20 years of pastoral ministry. I was in a place where I didn't know where I was. Watch this. I didn't process my life properly and I needed somebody. So he used you as a flotation device so he wouldn't sink. She's sitting across from her past and she's saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, you can survive. And she said, no, pastor. She said, I'm going to trust God, but... What do I do now? And it took me a minute to start to understand the question. Her thing was everything I planned, everything I did was built around us. I don't know who me is anymore. Here's my thing to her. God is going to redefine for you who you are. 
but it means you're going to have to stay in place. And when I say these words, you're going to have to step up. Everybody say those words. Say those words. Say it again. Say it again. Sometimes transition is not about going out. It's about your goings out have nothing to do with leaving a place or leaving. No, it has to do with stepping out of your comfort zone and getting into this most uncomfortable place and being the person you never thought you could be. You lived your entire life. Now, I'm going to share something with you that's going to bless your world. I hope it does. Be careful. Watch the enemy during transition. There's a spirit. He releases four different spirits during times of transition. Number one, he was, he was sent out the spirit of the arson. If you can't have it, you'll burn it down. He wants you. He, he understands, watch this now, the way you come out of a thing, the way you go out of a thing. He understands that God in his love for you will not let you go into a thing if your hands are dirty, if your feet are dirty, if your heart is corrupt. So what he would do is he'll bring these wicked, malevolent spirits on you and try to tempt you to do dumb stuff knowing that when you walk up, I got them, and you walk out, you start pushing doors and no doors will open because it's like God is telling you, I can't let you into your new thing with blood on your hands. can't let you into your new things with dirt on your feet. I can't let you into your new thing with your heart jacked up. Here's why. Because whatever you go out with, you come in with. So... He deals with you because the enemy wants to put a spirit of arson on you. He wants you to burn it down. And if you resist arson, he'll bring a spirit of assassination. You, you, your goings out will be clean, but you look back with a, a rifle and a scope and you're picking certain people, you're picking off their character, picking off the... You, you, listen, the, the third spirit is a spirit of what I call assailment. A, assailment, what it means, the spirit of the victim. Everybody, you, you, you don't remember nothing good. They, they did all this stuff wrong to me. You, you go out of there, watch this. You never used to be like that. You weren't the kind of person that would lay down and let life beat you up. But now, everything, everything that goes wrong, look what they're doing to me. Oh, my God, I don't. And you don't know what to do with yourself. All of a sudden, you matter folk and it's getting worse and worse because people won't do for you what you think they need to do when you were never that person. You were never the person that needed folk to do for you. Pastor, I don't like the way you're talking to me. I am your father. God set me in this house to shake you. You cannot live your life under those spirits. You're not an arsonist. You're not an assassin. You're not a person suffering with a salement mentality and you don't have amnesia. That's the last spirit. The spirit of amnesia will have you to say, there ain't nothing was ever right about that. You are lying, no truth with you. If nothing was ever right, then why you stay so long? Either they're extremely wicked or you're extremely stupid. In the name of the Lord. If you add in the name of the Lord to it, it gets a spiritual <laughs> connotation to it. You, have, you know, you say something ugly, you say, you are a fool in Jesus' name. <laughs> I want to I press some more on this. Is this helping you any? So I want to give you three scriptures, and I'm going to end with something that Francis Chan said, and this will, be, this will constitute the end of week one for this. Sometimes it's, it's about transition. is not about leaving. It's about staying put, remaining in place, stepping up, taking the reins of servanthood or leadership after others have left. You look around and say, uh, you know, I say, what? You, you can sing. You're saying, if you said the choir kind of small, why don't you sing? Well, I'm not in the choir. No, you weren't in the choir. But guess what? 
If I'm gonna tell you what people, you this is another thing we do with goings out. You you do understand that ninety percent of the goings out are ordained by the Lord. I always tell people. People, I remember I was I was arbitrating or mediating a situation that happened in this church years ago, and one person sat in front of me and said, "I said, why would you do something so stupid?" Here's what the person said: "Well, they were doing it, and they were here before I got here." Now let's wait a minute. Let me slow that down. I asked a grown, intelligent, college-educated person why they were doing something that was dumb. Here's what they told me. I was doing it because they were doing it, and they were here before I got here. And you know what I said to them? I said, you know what it means that they were here before you got here? She said, no. I said, it means they were here before you got here. It doesn't mean they're more spiritual. It doesn't mean that they know God any better. It doesn't mean that they, they know more than you know. It means that they were here before you got here. Watch this now. And the fact that they were here before you got here could mean that they got what they were supposed to get and they may leave before you. You going to go too? Jesus is preaching to 5,000 people plus his 12 disciples. When the 5,000 turned and left, he turned to the other 12 and said, shall you also go away? Peter looked at him and said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Here's the crazy part. The 5,000, we don't know who they are, but we knew every name of the 12. You better be careful trying to go out with crowds. And lose your identity. Lose your individuality. Lose the thing that God has for you. So I want to give you three stories. I want to show you three pictures. Go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. I want to show you the story of, of, of Joshua. And I want to tell it from a position that you can understand. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join Join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.